Hello, and welcome to the DVM Defense Podcast. Join us this episode as we dive into the very hot topic of human orthopedic surgeons performing surgery on shelter animals. Once we pick that apart, Anne will share with us a very tragic mom fail. Maria will inspire us with a wonderful case win, and I'll round things out with a very, very useful life hack. Join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Hello, ladies. Hello, hello. Hello. So why don't we just get into the hot topic? Because, oh my gosh, the veterinary internet world lost its you-know-what this week over this story. Like, I don't think I was on any Facebook group that was not running rampant with this story. So to bring everybody up to speed, if for some reason you haven't heard, um, you must live under a rock. So there was a new story that came out from the Atlanta area of um, an organization. We're going to refrain from using specific names or anything just out of some semblance of respect, but there was a, a nonprofit group that headed up by a human orthopedic surgeon who has a passion and love for animals and took his residents and, I don't know, interns or just interns and residents, but took some of his crew to animal shelters. And when there were dogs that were needing, I think it was just dogs, I don't know if there was cats, but um, needing orthopedic surgery of any sort, he was volunteering his time and his equipment and all of his things to fix them and to repair. And this was done at a veterinary hospital, the anesthesia and all of that was covered by certified licensed veterinarians. But as you can imagine, when that news story came out, the shit hit the fan and it was everywhere and with all kinds of thoughts and opinions on it. So who wants to start? I guess I'll start. <laughs> so Maria, how do you, first of all, I'm just going to ask the question. Is there ever a time when a human surgeon should be doing surgery on an animal? No. All right. So no. And there's multiple reasons on why this is a no. First of all, I wouldn't want him to do surgery on me with what I've seen from these post-op pictures. There were some questionable after pictures. There were. Now, the second reason is if I actually went and did surgery on an orphan, because honestly, this is what we're talking about. They are orphaned animals. If I went and did surgery on an orphan as a veterinarian. An orphaned human, you're saying? Human, yes, human. People would lose their shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Or I also heard people referring to um, homeless shelters. If they were, they were using the analogy of a veterinarian going into homeless shelters to provide medical care. Yeah. But it's just like the same thing. Like he was legality wise. Yes, it is legal. And I'm using quotes. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're looking on video, you can see me using the legal quote. <laughs> um, but it is legal because he is adopting the animals, but it is still BS that a human surgeon will perform these surgeries on animals that he has no idea anything about. It's completely different than performing surgeries on somebody's arm versus a dog's foreleg. Mm -hmm. It's different. It is not the same thing. Go ahead, Anne. Give us give us a, another another viewpoint on this. 
maybe because he was in Atlanta, Georgia, right? It's a pretty big city. You can't tell me there's not other options. I agree to that extent with Maria. But out here where we live, there's not a lot of options. Granted, I'm in Caldwell. We have Boise nearby. That's fine. But there are reservations. There's places like Alaska. There's places that don't have good vet care. And so the best chance he has... Amputate. Well, yeah, but what if there's not even a doctor to amputate? I mean, if it's if there's no veterinary care or something like that, then take a trip and go. You know what I mean? But don't... But the thing is, he's operating and the supervision of a D, so obviously there is somebody there. And if he wasn't, op- isn't it illegal if you're not operating under a supervised DVM? Because how are you getting the drugs? How are you getting the pain control? It's not, can you imagine yes. waking up with those screws in your legs and your, your bone fragments are still not attached to that screw? <laughs> yeah, you know, and one thing I, and I don't know, I really don't know. I, I was reading through lots of different comments. Um, is there were some people that were saying, and again, I, I'm not saying this is true or not, because I have no, no knowledge of it, that in human orthopedics, they're a lot more, um, I don't want to say lenient, uh, but when it comes to like bone fragments and things, it seems like it, it possibly is a, a different standard when it comes to those, that they will leave more of those things in than we do in, in animals. Like I said, and I, I don't know if I could, I am not an orthopedic surgeon on any species, but there were some people that said it, it may not be that far off from human, which scares me. I'm sorry, that scares right. well, the crap out of guess, me if that I, is the that case. I have a lot of questions. You know, I have a lot of like, yeah. just how much supervision did the DVM give? Um, and mm-hmm. how... Are there differences? I mean, because for us, you know, pinning a, an arm in a human, there's a lot different, what am I, mm-hmm. physiokinetics, not that, but like the, the yeah. pressures and right. the pulls no. yeah. and everything are a lot different on a non-bearing limb yes. than like a dog's forelimb that bears weight. Yes, that's true. That's that a good point. It, you know, has different, yeah. mecha- maybe mechanics, physiokinetics, oh Lord, um, but different like... <laughs> Biomechanics. Biomechanics. Is, biomechanics is even is, better. Is that the word? Oh, my Lord. Um, but <laughs> the, you know, there's a lot of different things that, you know, non-weight-bearing versus weight-bearing, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention, you know, innervations. Your anatomy, yes, it's the same. A mammal's a mammal, but there are differences. So to me, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. How much did he learn about anatomy or was he just going in and putting things back together and oops, we've got veins and arteries that aren't there. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe he didn't do it. And I, and I guess the, I feel like, and I don't know, I don't know this man personally, I, but just in reading through lots and lots of comments and people who do veterinarians who do actually know him, like who are friends with him. They say that his heart is good. His intentions were good. He loves animals. He's called. He feels, you know, this is a mission of his. Okay, then be a veterinarian. You know, like. Can I tell you something? If I could be a human surgeon, have no student loan debt, because they were a lot of times they do a lot of their internships with nonprofits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So bye bye. 
make what they make and still be able to work on animals. That would be my dream job. That's true, because his salary as an orthopedics, as a human orthopedic surgeon, let's be real. He come on. Yes. He can't afford to do free dog surgery. Yeah, he can afford to do free dog surgery. So And that's the other thing yeah. that bothers me about this is it's showing us as we uh, don't care. We're insensitive because we will not do it for free. He's right. doing it for free, but he can afford to do it for free. And I think maybe that's what's rubbing so many people the wrong way in our profession is that the public, the public perception is that those greedy vets wouldn't even do this. You know, this heroic human surgeon had to step in and save the day. And maybe that it's implying that he is better than human or not human. He is better than the DVM orthos and you know, they couldn't cut it. So he had to come in and do it. And, And I wonder if that isn't where so much of the viciousness has come from. Um, with the veterinarians. So, you know, and what do you think about how we've been handling this as a profession? Just from some of the comments, like I, I understand the passion behind the comments. Um, Cause I think you're right. I think it's really striking a chord. It's making us almost look bad um, when we are so compassionate. Like I know we've talked about a bunch, but mm-hmm. the behavior is not, we're professionals. We are grownups. Um, if for some reason the shoes ever on the other foot, would you ever want to be treated the way you just treated another human? And while I, you know, whether or not I agree or disagree with what he's doing, but how we're behaving, not okay. Can I ask you a question about that now? Cause I know that they were saying that I'm assuming it's the veterinarians that are treating him like this. Is that true? Mm-hmm. It is. So. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. thing that bothers me about that whole situation is we take it personally when people cyber bully us. Like, I'm sure mm-hmm. that you got, you all see it. You all mm-hmm. see the post and, you know, people being shut down. I, I, if I read correctly, a clinic was having to close its doors because of the cyber bullying. And like, yeah, I, don't, I think that's happened a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't understand the people that like, yes, what he did in my eyes is wrong. He should not be doing it but I would never contact mm-hmm. him directly or sit here and leave these awful reviews on his page because in the end, you have to go the correct route to get him to shut down. Mm-hmm. And I feel like right now, we're showing now, we wouldn't do it for free because we can't afford it to do it for right. free. But on top <laughs> right. of that, we're bad-mouthing the guy that will do it for free. So think about how these clients are actually thinking about that. We're yeah. the evil yeah. of all evil at this Where point. Where it's just reinforcing the fact yeah. that not fact it's reinforcing the belief <laughs> that yeah we're these evil greedy veterinarians and that's why he had to be there in the first place and the louder we are about it i think the worse it makes us look and, and is it fair no but nothing is fair when it comes to social media or media in general there ain't nothing fair and i that I think it ultimately is what bothers me the most, whether or not he should or shouldn't be doing what he's doing. I, yeah, I, I can see both sides of it. I mean, it's, and I think some of the arguments were, 
those who were kind of in support of him is, is, you know what, everybody says a veterinarian can do it better. Well, then why aren't the veterinarians do it, doing it? Who are the veterinarians that are going to raise their hand and be like, okay, I will take this on. But we know that there's so much more to it than that. Like it's not that simple and it, it is not fair to really oversimplify it like that. But it's one thing. And I think it's one thing to kind of within our own ranks and within our own groups to vent about it, to talk about it, you know, that, that's why we have some of these social media groups is to have a quote unquote, to, you know, I'll do my air quotes now, safe place to, to, to discuss these things. But as soon as we send it outward in the form of one post that I read was from a personal friend of his, who's also a veterinarian and is that this him and the veterinarian that he's been working with have gotten hundreds and hundreds of vicious emails, Facebook messages, um, just vile things from veterinarians and, and going on to the news channels that actually reported the story to begin with and commenting. And my fear is that, like you said, that's just going to keep digging us deeper in the hole and that's going to actually work against us. And not that the points aren't valid, but there's a, there's a good way and a not so good way to, to make your point. And I think we're walking a very thin very. line. It's like the little, I saw a dog this week that came in wagging her tail, super excited and then bit me. I feel like that's what we are. On one hand, we're asking for sympathy. We're asking everybody to be nice. We have a hard job. Mm-hmm not using a mocking tone intentionally there, but then we turn around right. and we <laughs> bite somebody and we bite them hard. Not okay. Well, I just, if there's a need there and if he has the finances, that's fine. I mean, we need volunteers, right? We need help. Well then let's not berate him, but let's direct him in the appropriate manner. Right. Let's help him out. Like, right. This yeah. is a need that you and I can't fill. I can't. I financially can't do it. I, for whatever reason, he can. So let's help him get there. Let's take him through the appropriate channels and show him how to do it. Right. Why can't, if he has the finances to support these big surgeries, because it's not cheap, this stuff. Uh -uh. If he has the finances to support these big surgeries, why doesn't he take on a board certified surgeon and support Mm -hmm. the big surgeries that way? Because it wasn't, what was it like, how many dogs was it? It wasn't that many, right? It wasn't that many. Like it, it wasn't, wasn't like he was, no. And he wasn't, I, my impression is that he wasn't like trolling the, the shelters, looking for these dogs and going into his garage with his erector set. And, you know, like it was not. It like wasn't that. that many. So if you can support it financially and you have the need to have somebody who's sort sport, he's a board certified or her, excuse me, is a board certified surgeon that can do it and support it that may be able to do it on more of a discounted rate than, you know what I mean, than the full $5,000 or with, and that's just me throwing out a number than what it would cost. You know what I mean? And maybe we can get people on board that way instead of having this guy be vilified because it's ridiculous that people go after him. Like I, I don't agree with one ounce of what he's doing, but I would never right. send him a message date like with yeah. this awful thing. 
He's not an evil. He's human not being. an evil human. He thinks he's doing well, but in the right. end, yeah, his intentions are good. Right. I even I read somewhere there were people who were legit suggesting that we get PETA involved. Oh, that we, yeah, I know. They're like you know what, we sh- we should contact PETA and and sick PETA on him and like. Oh, sweet Jesus. I don't even like, think he should get his medical license taken away. I think he just needed to stop. Yeah. And that's it. And, and, and Maria, I think that's a good point is like, if he really is so called into this project and into this mission, why don't we help him find a way that he can still fulfill that and he can still be, fill that altruistic need and connect with these animals and put his money and his time to good and say, okay, look, we're going to help you through this and not, not take it for granted, but also not just let him work without the guidance of somebody who knows animal orthopedics. They are not the same. I mean, this is my little redneck mind kicking in, but however long ago, where do you think human doctors practiced medicine? Like, (laughs) like, come on. Like they did it on horses and cows and dogs and stuff. Yeah. Not saying it's okay, yeah. like realize, but that's where a lot of our human medical advances have come from mm-hmm. and vice versa. So yes, we don't really do it anymore, but why not? We can learn so much from those guys and yeah. they can learn from us. Not a bad thing. Just maybe we got to do it a different way. I think it is somewhat like, ironic and that so many different like people in, in academia and veterinary schools have said, how is this happening? How has this slipped through the cracks? Because veterinary schools are finding it harder and harder to use live animals, shelter animals for teaching purposes for veterinarians. That's a real challenge. And a lot of schools are going to virtual methods and they're doing all these things because you know, the animal rights activists and a lot of these different things that are mandating that as a veterinarian, I can't even practice on a shelter animal. And there's paperwork and there's red tape and we can maybe no longer do that where we used to be able to. And yet somebody can literally walk into a shelter and start doing surgery. And because it's a human doing it, a human doctor, it somehow doesn't fall under the same jurisdiction. And there's more, it's, I don't know. I just, can I just say one thing? If I, if I had a client come to me and say, my dog broke his leg and I fixed the fracture for free and I fixed it like that post-op where the bone fragment is out, I'd lose my license yeah, and I'd have a lawsuit against me. I think, and I don't think his human medical degree should be taken, license should be taken away, but like I would have a problem continuing to practice. So I don't think when they state that the board was like, well, we can't do anything about it. They should have originally contacted somebody to try and shut them down. Yeah, because that's a good point. It sounds like there was, some concern that was voiced with the veterinary board and they apparently could not find a legality that was being violated. And they just Mm kind of said, "Mm, nothing we can do. And I'm not sure how that changed. I don't know what they found now that's changed, but. I think it depends on how the state gives the board teeth. I mean, if a board Mm -hmm. doesn't have money to pursue legal action right they can send a letter that that says (laughs) you're naughty you should stop bad boy no and i so i literally think it's how like how much how many teeth does the board have you know what's the financial backing there what's the 
And I mean, it sucks that that's what it comes down to, but I think that's what it is. And I, I would imagine there's not that many cases that where it is an actual human MD, a human surgeon who is doing the work. I, I think most of the time it's probably chiropractors, yeah. dental, you know, barriers, people doing dentistry. I would be surprised that there are a lot of actual licensed MDs that are doing veterinary work. And so there's probably not a lot of cases on the books that, that they can go back and look at for precedence. No. And well, and I know I've heard, I've never had a MD client do this to me, but you know, I've heard of MD clients like, Oh, my dog had a UTI. <laughs> I treated it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've heard of those things, yeah. but then again, it's their dog, you know, yeah. they took the urine into the clinic. They did, they spun it like a white blood cell is a white blood cell, but I don't think that has yeah. Yeah, yeah. teeth really. But then again, I'm sure there are veterinarians that have treated their kids <laughs> and have stapled their kids' heads. From I, yeah, I have a little bit of insight um, on this topic. <laughs> so I live in a small town and we have great relationships with our MDs. Like We really do have very mutually respected, great relationships with our MDs. And it's pretty common between on both sides. It goes both ways. You know, when they bring their pets into me, they will usually tell me what they have already done, what they have already (laughs) used. Um, And if I am in their office, they will ask me, what have you treated yourself with? What have you taken? Like I have emailed radiographs of my children (laughs) to them. And then, oh, what do you think about this? So I know my experience is not the same as many others. And we are very fortunate that we live in a very close knit community and they, and we do respect each other and we do actually work together on, you know, if there's, I have had the doctors actually call me for guidance on rabies cases and things like that. So I know that's not the same for, for a lot of veterinarians, but it, it can be done. I mean, it, it is possible. I mean, maybe that's like the glitters and glitter and rainbow scenario. That is but. not the case for here, Melissa. <laughs> I think there's like 15 pediatricians in a five mile radius. Oh. That's a little over exaggerating, but my oldest daughter expressed interest in becoming a pediatrician. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if that's a great idea. My mom wanted to become a pe- wanted wanted to become my mom wanted me to become a pediatrician, and my response was I didn't want to work with crazy people who have kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I became a vet. <laughs> that's the best story I've heard all day. <laughs> Back to the orthopod. I don't know why I call Sorry. them orthopods, but um, I don't know. Like I maybe the way he went about it and you know, maybe the repairs weren't the best and things, but I don't think lynching him like he has been is the way to go about it. Um, I think that level of passion and, you know, wanting to volunteer should have been redirected because now what have, you know, not only Mm -hmm. have we hurt him, but nobody else is going to want to step up and help out now. That's how they're going to be treated. So, um, I don't know. I'm kind of bummed that somebody just didn't step in and say, okay, yay, you're excited. Let's yeah. redirect you this way because this will be effective. Yeah. Because 
what if it was, okay, so I'm going to throw this hypothetical out there. I don't know how, how hypothetical it is because I think this does actually happen in mission work and things like that. Maybe not so much in our country, but in other countries, you know, veterinarians actually do get called on to help with human cases. Um, there's, I know, and I know there are veterinarians that are actually in the trenches treating homeless people who have pets. Like they're, so I would imagine they're going to find themselves in populations of human beings that do need medical attention. And if there is not an MD around, the veterinarian is going to be called on to, to step in. So what if there was a veterinarian who, through the goodness of their heart, was doing something in the human world and the human MDs turned on that veterinarian and attacked them and said, they don't know what they're doing. They're not real doctors. They should never touch a human being. How would we be reacting in that scenario? Like, can you imagine? I can't. Like how that would go down? That would be horrible. And I think that this is a great way to open up the talking of actually veterinarians and MDs come together because there's a lot of things that Mm -hmm. we deal with, like rabies, that the MDs don't deal with on a daily basis. And like they're telling, I mean, we just hear one side of the story that they're saying they don't need prophylaxis or they don't need this. It's not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. But like maybe this is the time where that we can come together and actually work together Mm -hmm. so that way we can help not only people, but the animals that are in need. Are there quite a few like One Health initiatives yeah, there, yes, that is actually becoming like a bigger thing. Um, I've even gone to some yeah. CE stuff where there are MDs and DVMs that are working together. And, and we've even talked about, like within yeah. my own community, actually, we have talked about doing like a rabies symposium yeah. or something like that, that in, um, includes, you know, the medical worker, the MDs, the nurses, the veterinarians. Uh, yeah. yeah, everybody. Um, we've talked about doing that for several years now, just the logistics of making it happen is really hard, but, um, um, but no, there is a one health initiative and I think I, I love it. I, I really do. I, I'd love to learn more about that. So why don't we move on from human orthopods doing surgery on animals and, and, and could you, could you share with us yeah. your fail? So I'm not a really good Pinterest bomb. I'm just not. Let's get that out there right now. Um, but in birthdays, sometimes are just, you know, we have a tendency to go on adventures because we're often going on adventures anyway. So yay, that's how you get for your birthday. Um, one thing I do manage to do though is get them little shirts with their like new year number on it. And then their name and then like a cute little character. Like I can Etsy that. That's fine. So we do that. But the middle child this year, I finally got her picture taken. Her birthday's in April. Wait, wait, what? Her birthday's in April. And I just took her picture like two mm-hmm. weeks ago. So in she's September. like four and a half. That's like five months photo. later. <laughs> it's not really four anymore. <laughs> but I took a picture. Gosh darn it. It's done. You did. And seven years from now, you're not going to know. No one's she ever going to know. She was the one. She was like, mom, you still haven't yeah. taken my picture. As we're taking oh, her no. little oh, sister's shoot. photo. 
<gasps> I was oh, like, no. oh, oh crap. You're right. Let's do oh, that. Crap. Go get your shirt. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I think the fact that your other daughter pointed it out when you were taking a picture of her sister, that does that does add a little salt oh, into sure. the fail sure. wound for sure. But, yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna say it's a win. You want to know why? Because you got the picture when they were four years old. All right. Well, Maria, we haven't heard your um, mom win. win yet. It's actually a clinic or a case win. Perfect. So oh, case win. Right. I figure since um, I can never really think of a life one, <laughs> maybe it's a problem. So I had this Boston come in licking the floor. That, that was a complaint. <laughs> The dog's been licking the floor, and I was like, "Well, that's weird." Then <laughs> dog um, was pale, and I was like, "What would make a dog pale and lick the floor?" So I ran blood work. Of course, the dog was anemic, and I was like, mm-hmm. "I read somewhere," and this is—I was probably like two years out of school when this happened. So I still, even though this wasn't like recently. It's still a case one in my eyes because mm-hmm. I was literally a new grad and I remember somewhere because we have this vault in our hand that you know it holds all the information we learn that mm-hmm. licking can be GI related so I told mm-hmm. the owner I said let's do some x-rays because I really think that there's something going on with her GI and if it's nor if the x-rays are fine then I would do an ultrasound there was a metal washer in the dog's stomach. Oh. Never in my life would I think that this dog ate a metal washer. So I came back and I go, are you doing construction? And she goes, oh, yeah, we're redoing our basement. And I'm like, ah, there you go. So yep. went to the ER, had a transfusion, got the metal washer taken out. Dog was happy and healthy. It's really interesting. So I want everybody to remember Licking the floor is GI related. <laughs> but not only that is the other thing I want people to realize is that everything they teach you the best teach you in vet school is actually there. And don't second guess yourself. My hack has nothing to do with veterinary medicine whatsoever. Um, it's it's the fall. It is now officially well, maybe not officially by the calendar, but it where it is becoming fall. So fall for me is not uh, changing leaves and pumpkins and all of those things. It is the worst creature to invade my house. Gnats. They are horrible. And gnats really prefer wine. They really love red wine. I'm particularly for you. Which is a, is a problem for me that I will take a sip and there will be little fritters of gnats. So I am battled with how to rid my house of gnats without actually sacrificing my wine. So what has worked the best for me is I have a glass bowl and I fill it with some red wine vinegar and, and then you cover it. This is the key. You have to cover it with saran wrap or I'm sorry, plastic wrap because saran wrap is not sponsoring this. So we can't use brand. That's actually a company. It is. Yeah. Saran wrap is an actual company. It's a brand. So plastic. I had no idea. Cling wrap, whatever you want to call it. 
The saran I really wrap. want to go and see what I have in my drawer right now. <laughs> so the, the plastic wrap over the bowl, you put that over the bowl and then you poke a few little slits in the plastic wrap and then the gnats go in to the little slit and go down into your vinegar, whatever concoction you have in there and they cannot get back out. It's a trap. It's a gnat trap. And that, that is my hack because it actually is working. Like it's, it does work. I've done a scientific study. I put the bowl next to it without the saran wrap. I'm sorry. I put the bowl next to it without the plastic wrap. And I put the bowl with the plastic wrap. Statistically significant more gnats in the one with the plastic wrap. You ever put soap in it? Yes. Because it does make it more viscous. And I feel like the ones that get down there, it traps them sooner. Uh. But I don't feel like they're as attracted to it because of the because soap. Because of the soap. Yeah. Yeah. Makes See, I, I'm a nerd. Like, I really have oh. like, researched this. So that's my hack. Plastic wrap over your bowl. Well, this has been awesome as always. We've said it before. We have said it multiple times on this episode. Please. Please, please, if you haven't already and you want to see us in action, you can go to the website and you can find the video version of these podcast episodes. We will put the link in the show notes to make it really, really easy for you to click on and find this episode. It will take you right to our website and on that website, it will show you the audio version you can download and the video version that you can watch us. And the video versions are not nearly as edited as the audio version that you're listening to. And then you can also read, we have blogs, we have vlogs, we have so much more on the website that is more than just the podcast. So that's dvmdivas.com. And again, you can go to Facebook and Twitter. It's pretty much dvmdivas anywhere that you look for us. And we would love to hear from you. We have a Facebook group if you want to join and you want to continue some of these conversations. If you have things that you would like for us to talk about, um, new ideas for hot topics, new clinic hacks, new any hack, uh, share your wins, share your fails. We want to hear from you. We want to know what all of you guys are doing too, because we know that we're just a tiny representation of, of all of us. Again, so we thank you for listening. We thank you for watching. We thank you for clicking. We thank you for all of that. Do you guys have any last words for this nope. week? Not at all. All right. With that, we will see you or not. See, well, yes, we will see you and hear you, but you'll hear us, but we'll catch up with you on the next one. <laughs>